0: Hi, this is Emilio Pagan from the San Diego Padres. The Padres play here. Steve, right three calls. On San Diego's number one sports station, 97.3, The Fan.
1: This program is sponsored and produced by Wilsy Asset Management. Opinions and offers expressed during this program are not those of Intercom Communications or 97.3, The Fan. Welcome to your commercial free Well, good morning, and welcome to the Smart Investing Show. I'm Brent Wilsey, and thank you for joining us this morning. Have been doing the Smart Investing Show here in San Diego on local radio for 27 years. Actually, soon to be 28 years, now I think about it. Uh, if you have an investment questions or want a fundamental analysis of a stock you own or are looking at buying, selling, or holding, please call in at 833-288-0973. Again, that's 833 833- Two eight eight zero nine seven three for that unbiased, no strings attached, formal opinion about what you want to talk about. But before we start taking the calls, we got a lot of things we want to talk about. Come on, Chase, how you doing?
0: Good. Good to be here.
1: Well, we got topics we always like to go on that are important that happened last week. And one thing I want to bring up first before I forget about it, uh, I, I was on uh, KSI talking about this. We did a post on it. Very important is this forbearance because right now there's about oh you know, about. Almost four million people have missed their mortgage payments, about one trillion dollars and I think people are just saying, Yeah, why shouldn't I not pay my mortgage? Because I don't have to as people put it at the end, there's no penalty and so forth. Well they don't understand what the forbearance is.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's very dangerous. It can have a damaging impact on your credit. And the other thing that people don't understand is it's not free money. It's not like the stimulus check where you're just getting $1,200. You, you have to pay the money back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's, uh, you know, we'll come back to the forbearance, but I did kind of want to also touch upon, you know, the delayment or the delay in rent as well. Yeah. It's the same thing. you got to pay back that rent. Otherwise, you could get evicted down the road <laughs> if you don't make those payments once that, that time period is actually over. But kind of back to the forbearance, I, I know you have some other great points here, and it's just very dangerous.
1: Yeah, and actually the problem is, is that uh, you, you know, this has happened actually to a client that's trying to refinance. Is that you call the bank, B of A, Wells Fargo, whoever it is, and say, "Hey, I want to do the forbearance. Any problems? No, no, it's fine. You, you can do it. You're allowed to do this. They don't tell you that once you do it, that now on your, you cannot refinance or say you're going to buy another home six or eight months down the road. You can't do that for 12 months. So you are dinged or marked as somebody that you took the forbearance. And actually, I even saw a case where somebody they they said, "Yeah, I'm going to do the forbearance. They signed up for it. They reali- realized it did not." stop making the payments on the mortgage, but they still got dinged because they had the contract that they did do it. So it's something people have to be careful about because it it will hurt you. If you can make your mortgage payment, maybe it's a little bit difficult. You need to do that. This is not free money by doing this.
0: And also, I mean, it's such a a short-sighted view, in my opinion, because you, you, again, can save a little bit in cash flow in the short term, but you brought up the refinancing. I mean, Gosh, you look at the interest (laughs) rates right now, and if you could refinance at this time, you could save a lot over the life of that loan rather than saying, oh, I'm just not going to make my payments for a few months now, and then, you know, let's say you have a 5% interest rate. Now you can't refinance down to, gosh, I've seen clients in the 3%. Range, I think. Gosh, I think I saw somebody under three percent. I could be mistaken, but I remember talking to a client. So yeah, I got a two point seven five or something crazy <laughs> like that. And it's like, wow, you cut your interest rate in almost half, right? And instead, you d- chose to the forbearance. Now you can't take advantage of these low, low rates. Yeah, and,
1: and one thing too that could happen, and, and I've talked about this also on KOSI as part of my segment that I did. Uh, rates should be low. And I did predict back in March you should see the thirty-year at about two point five percent, but it's not because normally the spread between the ten-year Treasury and the mortgage rates. About 1.7 percent is now about 2.4, and that's why they're staying above the threes. They should come down. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. But gosh, if you did take the forbearance and say you do see a 30-year at 2.7, 2.8, you're not going to take advantage of it because you were trying to save money, and maybe you shouldn't have taken the forbearance. So, exactly. <laughs> well, let's talk about uh, very important understanding the earnings of a business, and I've talked about this at our firm for gosh, I've uh, been probably about 40 years been talking about it. And a good example is the recent earnings from uh, Al- Alibaba. 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 Yeah. I, I looked at that like, what, Alibaba? I, I, and you know the name. It's just like one blank there. Uh, which for the fourth quarter, their profits fell 88% from a year earlier. Now, the most recent quarter saw net income of only $447 million, mostly because of a net investment loss of $1.09 billion. I went through this in the tech boom. Back in the tech boom, that was a lot of earnings that's exactly what was happening you can you have to dig deep and understand the earnings of a business because if not you can be surprised by what goes on
0: and yeah, it, it kind of circles back i mean a lot of people of course like to quote warren buffett because you know he's one of the most famed investors of course and you know one of the things he says is you have to understand the businesses that you buy well, people take that, or it's by what you know, or I forget the exact terminology, but some, something along those lines. And the, the thing that people always take it to is, oh, well, I drink Coca-Cola, so I'm going to buy Coca-Cola. <laughs> or, oh, I use Netflix, so I'll buy Netflix. That's not necessarily what he's talking about. As you said, understanding the earnings and the complexities of the business, that's what you have to understand, the different intricacies and how they work together. And the earnings, as you said, is so important because you could, again, have these huge investment gains, and, and you'll see it sometimes in real estate companies where they'll actually buy real estate and then they'll sell the real estate. They'll have this huge gain on an asset. That's not going to be reoccurring. So their earnings are not necessarily false. But it's not going to help the business in the long term because it's not going to be a, a reoccurring earnings stream.
1: And I remember years ago, I would say probably 10 years ago, I never forgot the book. It was called Quality of Earnings. And it, and it, was, it was probably about a, I don't know, 150, 200-page book on the quality of earnings. How important it is to understand those earnings. They've got to be quality earnings because there's a lot of accounting tricks we can use. We've talked about, we'll bring up Netflix, how they've kind of changed the accounting on uh, what the amortization of the of, of what they're doing. You've got to understand if you own that business, what are they doing for the accounting? Are they actually pulling in investment gains? Um, It is something that you've got to be careful and understand because if not, it will, not maybe, it will come back and bite you someday because you don't understand what they were doing.
0: Well, and especially you kind of refer to Alibaba and technology companies is tech is very hot right now. So they've been racking up these big investment gains on the technology companies Mm -hmm. they've invested in. But as you said, with the tech bust, is all of a sudden, if things turn on technology, you could start to see huge investment losses, which is going to hurt their their investment income stream.
1: It, that's why I brought up Alibaba because that's exactly. exactly what happened to them. So the other thing too that's got to be be looking out for too is that um, we, we have talked about the uh, gosh what I want to say here. Um, it was on the why? delisting yes. of of, uh, of companies from China, mm-hmm. and and also this is one thing too that could happen.
0: Yeah, I mean, very important. It's Some big issues have come out now with uh, you know legislation against these Chinese companies because they're not giving the U.S. and the SEC uh, information that that U.S. investors have become accustomed to and actually protects those U.S. investors. So they're saying if we're not going to get access to your books. We're going to start delisting these Chinese companies, you know, and a great example of that was the Luckin Coffee. Mm -hmm. I don't call it a scandal, but misinformation, I guess, is a a better way to put it, where, (laughs) oh, yeah, we have all these sales, but turns out they were just – Vouchers, vouchers yeah. and people weren't actually going to. And you said an investment firm actually looked at it and said, "There's no way they have these kinds of sales."
1: Yep, yeah. Sure enough, they were right. Yep, they, they were right. And that's we got to understand. Well, you know what is going on, but it, uh, it's just so amazing that Chinese companies get this passed to where, and this has been going on for years, where we really don't know what's going on with the earnings uh, of these Chinese companies, uh, Baidu, Alibaba, because the SEC and every other American company. They can go in and look at those books and say, "Yes, we verify that the correct information is there." They're not saying it's good or bad; they're just verifying it's there. Chinese companies, we don't know what they're doing, and and, and that's the big problem. And I, it's not going to happen tomorrow, but I think down the road. And I don't ever see China saying, "Sure, United States, come in, take a look at our books," because actually, I think they're 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 now trying to claim government secrets. Well, you know, I'm sorry that that. Just a coffee to,
0: shop should not have government. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so
1: it, it, it's just, you, you've got to understand those earnings of what you're looking at. Very important. Yeah. Uh, and whether a U.S. company or a Chinese company, I would, and I've, for years, I said, I am not going to hold a Chinese company. People forget, it's still a communist country. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah. And, and the big thing, too, is that, I mean, you have to know that business in and out. And people, as you said, kind of have given it this pass because it's like, China's the largest country in the world, you know, so that they have this huge potential of this customer base. But again, you can't verify it. And, you know, there's some people that have made a lot of money on Alibaba and, you know, these different uh, Chinese companies. And good for you. But be very, very careful. It, it, it was not because of, I'm going to say skill. It was because of luck. Right. And, you know, there's no reason, there's no true numbers that we can base those decisions on. And that scares the heck out of me. And I, I'd rather, you know, miss that and i'd rather buy a, a jp morgan chase that yep. i can actually see the financials i can understand the business and i trust it
1: right and and again there's a lot of people that made money on Luckton coffee before things fell apart <laughs>
0: and i think it's down like 90 percent <laughs> oh it's you know, 90 but I, I think it trades like a
1: dollar or something else yeah. it's, it's crazy so but but let's change corners here and, and and talk about why an investor can really bet on the united states and we've heard this before we all say it but why? What is the reason? And, and I came up with three three good reasons. First off, is our natural resources. I mean, in the United States we have an unusual abundance of natural resources. We have precious metals such as gold and silver, copper, nickel, iron, lead, mercury, all these different things, zinc that we have that that we can turn to. Um, That's a big benefit because we have natural – oil and gas. Now we have oil and gas, uh, abundance of that as well. That's a big benefit that we have here in the U.S.
0: Yeah, and I I mean the other thing we look at too is the legal system. Mm -hmm. I mean it is just so – great to actually have a legal system that, and uh, you know, you can argue, oh, I don't trust, you know, sometimes. <laughs> but for the most part, we, we do have a great system in place. I mean, you compare it to other systems across the world, and it, it's just levels above that. It, it's something that we can trust in for the most part, and it, it provides a fair market. Right. You know, people talk about pure capitalism. Pure capitalism can be very, very dangerous. Yep. You do have to have some regulations in place. I think we do overstep the regulations at some points, but there has to be that balance between the two. And, and we've done, for the most part, again, a pretty good j- job juggling between those two.
1: Yeah, we don't even think about it because you, you feel comfortable that if you go to business and, and something happened that was illegal, you know you can sue that, that business and have some recourse. Other countries around the world, something like that happens, eh, sorry, too bad, you, you should have known better. So it's very important that businesses feel comfortable doing business here in the U.S. because we have a system to get reimbursed if something happens. It may take a while. The last thing is is, is the uh, transportation system, and this is so important. Think about the third world countries. They don't have a transportation system. Here in the U.S., we have 47,000 miles of interstate highways in the U.S. for about 2 million semi-trucks to transport the goods. That's so important. They can go any place in the United States to get something to anybody that, that needs it, as well as about 4 million miles of navigable roads. So, I mean, there's so many. uh, Again, the transportation system here is unbelievable. And then trains. Let's not forget about the trains. They have about 140,000 miles of track to transport their goods and over 100,000 bridges to get across those rivers and valleys. And I was watching this thing about what a big thing it was to build a uh, bridge across the Mississippi River because the west and the east are separated. And then Carnegie came up with how to use steel to build this bridge across the Mississippi River, very important. We don't have that, or it's not. It's not in other places like you go to China, uh, Thailand. Uh, these, they don't have that system. We have, it's a big benefit we have here.
0: Yeah, and I know that China is, of course, working on its infrastructure, and we kind of talked about they were able to build hospitals very quickly. It's because they don't have to go through all the regulations. (laughs) We want to build this here, we go for it. Um, You know, so they are working on that system, but we are just miles ahead, in my opinion. No pun intended, miles ahead. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But, uh, you know, it is very important to have, and I mean, you have great companies, too, like, you know, FedEx. UPS right even a USPS system uh, which does have its downfalls from time to time of course but it's still a great system and it's just so easy to transport because I mean now you talk about things like Amazon and, you know, uh, you know, even online at Walmart and Target, it's like, gosh, I haven't got my package in four <laughs> days? What the heck is going that's on? That's crazy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we have this great infrastructure, which helps with commerce and actually, you know, building that GDP and consumer spending. And that's why it is just so great to have the system we do here in the United States.
1: Right. And one thing quick before I move on, on, on Carnegie, when he built the bridge across the Mississippi River, people would not go on it because they were afraid. Well, elephants, they would never do anything that would hurt them. So they had an elephant cross the bridge. Then people said, oh, okay, an elephant did it, so now we feel safe.
0: <laughs> you know, I, I was, when you're talking about that, I was just always saying you know, when you drive by some of those bridges, just the trust that you have in them is yeah. it's quite crazy. And also you think, like, gosh, how did somebody build this thing? You know, because you're pushing <laughs> out farther and farther. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, it really is.
1: Yep, yep. And, and again, in China – are those bridges safe? I don't know. We may, I don't
0: then. I'll go through as much regulation. I yeah, don't think exactly. So, so, so some
1: some regulation is good. You're you're right. So and then lastly here, let's talk about the 2.1 million people that filed for unemployment. in The U.S. I mean, jobless claims have been closely watched because the economic measure during the crisis. The headline number shows another 2.1 million people filed for unemployment, which brought up the new total claims since the coronavirus was declared a pandemic to nearly 41 million dollars now this sounds terrible and it's not great we've talked about how it does include you know now your independent contractors and includes your teenagers so it's really at a big number but there's other things besides that that well things seem to be getting maybe a little bit better
0: yeah i mean 41 million people i mean i am not going rah-rah over that that's you know right. not very exciting and but the thing again is they have been collecting that unemployment insurance to help provide that that stopgap there and the other thing, too, is those are people that have filed. That doesn't count people that have gone back to work. That's why I like to look at the continuing claims. And the continuing claims actually uh, was approximately 21 million. So 20 million less than the 41 million. You have to look at those. And the other thing to look at is those 21 million people, the continuing claims actually lagged by – About a week, so it wasn't for this last Friday. It was for the Friday before that. So I think we'll see even more progress on that. Uh, Yeah, because if we look at for more than two weeks, fell by nearly four million. So it has been coming down on the continuing claims, and I think that was. Really, before here in California, we started to reopen some, you know, restaurants and barber shops and things of that nature. So, California, of course, has a, a huge number of people in its population. I think we'll continue to see continuing claims drop as more states, even across the country, do start to advance in the reopening process. And, and
1: also helping, too, is that uh, came out this past week that the PPP has been extended to, what, December, about 24 weeks versus the eight weeks. That's going to help a lot. Because a lot of businesses were saying, well, i got to use this in eight weeks. Uh, the governor is not opening restaurants yet or this limited amount. I can't bring back my employees that I have nothing to do. So that's going to help. It's going to maybe slow things down a little bit. But it means that yes, we can get this going. And who's slowing it down? We got to be honest here. It's the governors. I mean, we got great states like Texas and Georgia. Have you heard anything bad about these states yet? I am not. No. No. I mean,
0: it's, so. I mean you can say the cases continue to rise, but it's because testing is still occurring, and you know, it's like people still get sick every <laughs> single day, and I hate to say it, but
1: it's it's part regardless,
0: of. Regardless, we we do have to move forward, and yep. you know. Uh, Get people back to work. Yeah. so it's very, very important, too. Uh, yeah. You know, you talk about the PPP, and you're right. If they do extend that PPP, uh, it is going to slow down the return to work. Mm-hmm. But what it will do is it will keep those businesses afloat. Yes. And, again, it's very important to look at the long term, not the short term, because over the long term, if those businesses go out of business, there's going to be nowhere to come back to work. Right. So it's important that those businesses do survive this crisis and we get through it. And they get through it, so people can have a job to
1: return to. And that was my big concern before: is like they got eight weeks to use it. Just when they're when it runs out, that's when they need it the most. So this is going to help a lot, so they can now spread it out over that time frame. And and again, things are starting to open up. I, we talked before the show, is so irritating here in California. We'll just put it out there on, on air. Uh, yeah, the beaches are open. But we won't open the parking lot for you to park. <laughs> I was like craziness. So where am I supposed to park? Yeah, every day things get a little bit better, but just too slowly. So, all right, so phone numbers here: eight three three two eight eight zero nine seven three. Again, that's eight three three two eight eight zero nine seven three. And as always, that'll get you through for your unbiased, no strings attached, final opinion about what you want to talk about. And before I go to R J and Steve, I do want to talk about the. Um, workshop coming up on thursday june 11th i still call it a workshop it's a webinar until we can do it in person again it is a webinar uh you're going to learn about our investment strategies what we do all the things we talk about here you're going to see them how we manage our our portfolio of hundreds of millions of dollars for our clients the benefits of value investing for long-term success very important to be a long-term investor and how we can help you create an individualized concentrated Value portfolio, which has a potential to help you reach your financial goals with the least amount of risk over the long term. So, it is a free webinar. What you got to do is go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com, and that will be opening on Thursday, June 11th. But you got to register, and again, it is free. So, hope you get to tune in there. All right, uh, let's go to the calls here. Uh, and I, and by the way, we do have an email that we, we always try to get to the email ones. If you want to ever email us because you're afraid to come on air, you don't want to, you know, get get you get nervous about it. Uh, go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. Again, that's smartinvesting2000. Dot com, and you can send us an email. Now, it may not be today we get you on, but we will get you on in future weeks, uh, the same way that, uh, where was it? Uh, what was his name here? Michael. Michael. Michael, we're going to get to his email today as well. But let's go to the phones here because they're kind of backing up a little bit. Let's head out to San Diego and speak with RJ. RJ, you're in the Smart Investor, Brent Chase. How can we help you?
0: Good morning, gentlemen. Looking at IBM and how secure that uh, uh, yield is on their uh
1: Today. What a great what a great question. Do you hold IBM RJ? Or are you looking to buy it
0: Looking to buy.
1: All right. So let's say that uh, International Business Machines Corporation is the full name. Everybody calls them IBM. Not a bad start. The PE ratio is twelve point two versus thirty five. Price of sales looks good, one point five versus two point seven. Unfortunately, no price of tangible book value, but that's the same as the industry. And that means if you take away all the intangible assets, there's no value to the company, so a lot of intangibles and goodwill on the balance sheet of uh, IBM. We do see price to cash looks good, 7.2 versus 17.6. Now, you do get a good dividend here of 5.2%. They only use 62% of their earnings to pay that out, so that does look pretty good based on the dividend payout ratio. Now, their sales are down 2.8% year-over-year. Year. Industry was up 65 We do see earnings per share fell by 13%, but that was better than the industry with a fall of 26%. Now, here's a problem I've always had with IBM, because they have a lot of intangible assets. They also have a balance sheet that I don't think is that strong. Current ratio is 0.96 versus 1.1. That is okay. But what's not okay is a debt-to-equity is 321 versus 78. And that always just worries me. It's so excessive. You've got so much intangible assets. Things could change very quickly for them and not in a good way. Now, looking at the return on equity, it's very good. Now, this tells you probably the equity is low. It's 50.3 versus 18 for the industry. We do see a net profit margin. A uh, net profit margin checks in at 11.9 versus 7.5. That is good. Receivable turnover is 11 versus 4.5. And inventory turnover is 22.6 above the industry at 19. Chase, what about the earnings going forward?
0: Yeah, so current price here for IBM, $124.90. 52-week high, $158.75. And 52-Week Low is $90.56. Uh, I do think it's an interesting business. Uh, you know, Obviously, it's a, one of the more inexpensive technology yeah. companies. So it's, that's always kind of been an intriguing part of it. I do know they also just changed CEOs. Uh, so I'm kind of curious what his plan and vision is for the company. Um, But looking forward towards those earnings in December 2021, I see estimated earnings per share on a gap basis, $10.31. That would give us a target sell price, $167.02. So that is more than 30% away from the current price, which I'd like to see. But I will point out, we talked about understanding the earnings of the business at the beginning of the show. This company does have a pretty decent size discrepancy between its non-GAAP and GAAP mm. earnings. Uh, it looks like about $2 to $4 for the last two years has been that discrepancy. I think they're probably backing out stock-based compensation. They might be backing out uh, perhaps other losses that they might have had on or gains on the t- technology that they might have sold or written off. So I'd want to understand that. I, I just don't like to see that. I like the value aspect of this company. I like the dividend, but just the the debt and the, the accounting abuse i guess i see with the non gaap earnings is a concern
1: and as we look, quickly looked at the cash flow statement uh, for the first three months of the year uh, ibm did have about four point five billion dollars in cash flow from operations so i think the dividend's is pretty safe but you want to be careful about investing in a, in a company a 5% dividend sounds good, but it doesn't help you if the stock falls 20%. So I, I I think there's other places maybe get a 3 to 4% dividend that are a little bit better than IBM because I do have my questions on there. It would take a lot of research to understand it, but I, I just I can't tell you it's a good one there, RJ. Uh, I, I, I want to tell you to look somewhere else there. All righty?
0: Uh, thank you much.
1: All right. Have a good one. Bye-bye. All right. That does open the phone line. 833 288 0973. Again, that's 833-288-0973. And let's go up to Fallbrook and speak with Steve. Steve, you're on the Smart Investor Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. I, uh, I've held Trimble for quite some time and been very uh, impressed with the stock, Trimble Navigation. And I'm thinking about increasing my holdings, and I was curious as to your opinion, and also as to timing. Okay. And and percentage-wise, how much does Trimble make up of your portfolio? Um, Not a significant amount. I I, I got into it years ago
0: uh, just kind of as a dabble stock, and uh, fortunately,
1: was on the right side of a couple splits. and. And uh, I have um, traditional 401ks with mutuals, but uh, I, I, I do like playing with this one account I've got, which includes the Trimble. Okay. I currently have 600 shares. Okay. Yeah, and, it, and it, we always look at percentages because when we invest in a company, we, we will use six percent of the portfolio for it. Uh, we'll never go higher than that. But sometimes people have like a one and a two percent holding. If we go through Trimble, like it looks pretty good. Yeah, you you, you can add to it. Uh, if it looks good. So let's take a look at the Trimble Incorporated symbol. It's TRMB. There is a good start here, Steve. I mean, the P.E. ratio is 19.2 versus 41.9. Price of sales looks good, 3 versus 9.2. Price of tangible book value, not so good. It so- shows it's not material versus 61 for the industry. Now, it's possible because I see these earnings came out on April 3rd. Maybe the balance sheet hasn't been released yet. So sometimes you won't see that, but that could be a possibility. You don't want to say that the sales, though, they were up a year-over-year of year, 2.8%, not quite as good as the industry, up 13.1%. Earnings per share, however, climbed by 68%, well above the industry of 24 But you've got to ask your, yourself this question. How can you grow, grow earnings at 68% and sales at 3%? We talked in the beginning of the show about quality of earnings. You want to understand where these earnings are coming from, why they grow by such a high rate compared to the sales growth. Look at the balance sheet. you got a current ratio of 1 versus 22 Debt to equity, 64 versus 75, so that is okay. Looking at the return on equity, that's 17.6 versus 28. I'm okay with anything above 15. Net profit margin, 15.8, below the industry at 21.9. Receivable turnover, is 6.1, same as the industry. And then inventory turnover, 4.7, well below the industry at 14.2. Chase, what about the earnings?
0: Yeah, well, I haven't heard of this company before, so I was kind of curious what they do. Uh, unfortunately, don't have a, a lot of detail, but it, it does provide technology solutions uh, that enable professionals and field mobile workers to transform their work processes. One thing that I do like is uh, its solutions actually are used across many different industries like agriculture, architecture, engineering, uh, administration for survey and land, construction, geospatial, government, natural resources, transportation, and utilities. So I like when you have that diversity because if one industry gets hit, you still have other areas where you can make up for it in sales. So that's a big benefit, in my opinion. Uh, looking at the current price for Trimble, $39.12, 52-week high, $46.67, and 52-week low is $20.01. Um, I would be, just based off this number, a little bit nervous, even if the forward earnings look pretty good on it, to jump in here. It's up uh, about 100% from its 52-week low, which uh, always just concerns me a yeah, little bit to buy that level. But looking forward to December 2021, I see estimated earnings per share on a gap basis, $1.28. Unfortunately, that would give me a target sell price of $20.74. So, uh, you know, you've done well with it, it sounds like, but it, it just looks to be a, a little bit pricey there.
1: Yeah, got to be careful of the priciness, and, uh, and you, you feel good about it. But again, look at the numbers. It, it's, it's just something that if you came to us as a, an investor, we'd say, yeah, we got to sell this one. It's too expensive. All right?
0: Great. Thank you so much, guys. Have a great day.
1: Okay, Steve. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. You know, it's funny, Chase. We talked about how something being up 100%, oh, you know, we'd probably sell it. We actually do have in our portfolio a couple of companies that are up over 100% since March. Uh, so, you, and again, it always comes back to understanding what you own, but you're right in this case here. I mean, it was way overpriced. Uh, and why it came up to that technology company. Could have, yeah. Ri- and, and, ri- what is it? Rising rising tide raises all boats, I think you're yeah. saying. Yeah,
0: Yeah, and, and the big thing, too, is, I mean, uh, the companies we do have in the portfolio that are up uh you know a hundred percent is i mean they still have fallen from the the fifty two week high this company's kind of close to its fifty two week high yeah. which also does concern me um you know there this has just been such an interesting time investing because things have fallen you know seventy percent but then bounced back right <laughs> they 're still <laughs> down thirty five percent for the year so uh you know it 's definitely been an interesting uh time time horizon here
1: righty all right uh, phone number is eight three three two eight eight Zero nine seven three again. That's eight three three two eight eight zero nine seven three. Let's go out to or up to Oceanside and speak with Don. Don, you're in the Smart Investor Brent Chase. How can we help you?
0: Yes. Good morning, guys. Um, Old Republic Insurance, uh, O R I.
1: Do you hold that or looking to buy it? Uh,
0: I've had uh, I've had it for a while and. I've, I've noticed that it looks like the P.E. is just outrageous. I don't know, I, but I've gotten like different numbers, completely different numbers on it. So I'm a little bit uh, confused.
1: Okay. And, and, and we like insurance companies that are property and casualty. We, we did a post, I don't know, a week or two ago. Uh, we're actually going to probably do a, a segment on TV about it as well. Uh, that you gotta be careful insurance companies because of the decline in interest rates, life insurance companies that sell life insurance, they're having a real hard time because they project based on what the interest rates are. Well, if you got ten year treasury paying 06 percent it's really giving life insurance companies a very hard time so i don't know i almost want to say old republic international corporation is a reinsurer which would be okay but you gotta understand the business as always but let's look at the numbers see if it's even worth doing that coming again it's old republic international corporation symbol o-r-i we do see a PE ratio very high 127 versus 15.9 price of sales looks good 0.7 versus one Price to book value 0.9 versus 1.44, and price of cash flow not material versus 6.5 for the industry. Now you get a very good dividend yield here of 5.4%, but it shows a dividend payout ratio of the last 12 months wow, 1,219%. So something's going on with their earnings that you got to understand. We do see sales were up 6.6%, uh, industry was up 6.1%. We do see earnings per share over the last 12 months for uh, year over year well they're down 95% uh, industry down 19 so you want to find out why did the earnings for old republic fall by such a large amount the balance sheet it's a uh, it, it's a financial company a little bit different but no current ratio versus 1.8 for the industry debt to equity 18.8 versus 35 that does look good return on equity not good at all 0. 0.7 versus 7.5 net profit margin 0. 0.6 versus 6.3 and no receivable or inventory turnover. So there's some concerns here. Chase, what do the earnings look like going forward?
0: Yeah, well, I did look up the business. Uh, they do have different types of insurance. They, they do have the general insurance, which just does property and liability insurance. Uh, they also do have uh, title insurance for real estate purchasers. So it doesn't look like they do the life insurance, um, which is, I think, a, a positive thing yeah. here. Now, looking at the numbers, the current price for Old Republic International Corporation, $15.59. 52-week high, $24.10. And 52-week low, $11.88. Now, if I go up to December 2021, I see estimated earnings per share on a gap basis, $1.25. $1.25. Will give us a target sale price of $20.25. Now, if you look at the earnings, the reason that I, I think uh, you're kind of having a hard time with the PE is there's a huge difference between their gap and their non gap earnings. Like for this year, estimated earnings on a non gap basis is $1.52, but on a gap basis, a loss of $0.44. In 2019, you had uh, non gap earnings eighty four $1.84 and gap earnings of $3.51. As we talked about, a lot of these insurance companies, what they actually have is an investment portfolio. What happens is, as a public company, you have to take what's known as a mark-to-market. You have to write down different things. So if you have a huge fall in, let's say, bond prices, you're going to have to write down that in your earnings report. So a lot of times when these companies have those investment portfolios, their gap earnings are actually all over the place. So you really have to, again, dive down and say, well, how is their actual insurance business doing, (laughs) not just the investment portfolio?
1: And the other thing I looked at, too, the number of analysts following it, only one analyst. So he could be you know kind of biased to either short the stock or increase the stock. We like at least, gosh, three to five analysts to give you some, you know, diverse case in there and different analysts there that they're not all going to try to push your stock down. So um, if you want to buy this business, you really got to do more research. But I, I don't think it's worth it based on what I saw. I mean, it's. It, I like insurance companies. I just don't think I like this one here.
0: I, that's what I was going to say. I think, I think there are better insurance companies out there um, than, than this one. I, I do think insurance, the right insurance, I, I will, I'm I very cautious on the life insurance companies, but I think property and casualty uh, still is a, a decent place to be in. But uh, this one is just a little bit more concerning than some of the other bigger players, in my yep. opinion.
1: Yep. All righty. Um, okay. Yeah, about,
0: well, didn't say bye to Don. Yet. Oh,
1: gosh, Don. I'm sorry, Don. Thank you for calling. <laughs> <laughs> Does that help you out, Don? I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'll, pr- I'll probably sell it. Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks for calling, Don. Bye-bye. <laughs> I, I was like,
0: I, I don't know. The last couple of weeks, I think it's because we're not in studio. Yeah, I think you're you're just kind of all
1: over the place. I actually feel like we're in the office with you and I talking. Yeah, it's not like we're in the studio. You, you, your mindset is different, you know. So, but yeah, I <laughs> and I don't think I've ever done that. in, and what, 27 years doing radio, I don't think I've ever kind of just. I know you're ready to move on, Don was still on the line. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh,
0: we gotta say thanks to Don. So. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, with that, let me let me talk about the webinar coming up uh, on Thursday, June 11th. Uh, You can register at our website, smartinvesting2000.com. And and at that webinar, we show you all our investment strategies, what we do, how we manage our hundreds of millions of dollars that we manage for all our clients and what I've done for many, many years, Uh, the benefits of value investing for long-term success. And if you're investing, it should be for long-term. You say, well, I need this in six months or 12 months. Put it in the bank. Don't invest it. Investing is for long-term. We'll show you how to have good long-term success. And also, too, how we can help you how we create an individualized concentrated value portfolio which has the potential to help you reach your financial goals and the least amount of risk but what you have to do is you got to sign up you got to go to the website smartinvesting2000.com that's smartinvesting2000.com it is free it is Thursday June 11th all day tune in i think you'll like it watch the webinar Alrighty. Before we go back to the calls, I do want to, as I, I mentioned, uh, from Michael, uh, send an email here. So let me go to the email, and he says, uh, "Could you folks take a look at an old company, FMC?" I'm looking at it. Seems like good quality at a fair price. So let's put in FMC, see what we get here for this company. He doesn't say if he. I guess he said he's looking at buying it. So uh, let's see if it's a good buy. And He says it's an old company. I've, I've never heard of this company. Have you heard heard of this one, Chase?
0: No, it's it's kind of a unfamiliar to me yeah. it, it's decent size it's about 13 billion dollar market cap so okay. uh, and I mean yeah if you look at the chart on CNBC it goes back to the 80s.
1: So, no, so it's been, yeah. been around for a while. It's been so, a public
0: company for a while. I don't know when it was actually founded. Although
1: actually, the 80s is not that long compared to 100 years. But anyways, let's let's. I mean, as a public company, right.
0: so it, it could have been private for many years as well. That's true.
1: That's true. So all right, let's take a look uh, for Michael FMC Corporation. Uh, PE ratio, a uh, good start based on the industry at uh, 23.6 versus 131. Price of sales 2.7 versus 1.7. Unfortunately, we've seen a lot of this lately, Chase, uh, price of tangible book value, not material the same as the industry. And I did want to point out uh, just real quick here, Chase. We have seen a lot more companies, when they go through a situation like this, they write down a lot of their intangible assets. So that could be why we're seeing more of this in the current situation. We do see price of cash flow at 18.2 versus 17.3. Now we've got a dividend yield of 1.8%. They only use 40% of their earnings to pay that out. Now sales year over year for the last 12 months are up 6.8 percent. Industry was down 3.2, and earnings per share for the same period climbed 10.9 percent when the industry was down 204. So this company seems to be doing very well on sales and earnings compared to the industry average. The balance sheet, unfortunately, not looking quite as good. We got a current ratio of 1.8 versus 1.5. That is good, but this is the top of my. Concern range when you have a debt to equity of 141 versus 45. Why does this company have so much debt? Maybe they've been buying back stock. Maybe the equity is low. But you got to understand, I don't like seeing a debt to equity of 141. It gets me kind of nervous. We do see return to equity is 20 versus 0.9. Net profit margin checks in at 11.8 versus 1.3. Receivable turnover 1.9 versus 3.6. And inventory turnover 2.3 versus 2.5. Chase, what about the earnings?
0: Oh, I was kind of curious what the company did as well. I haven't heard of it. It is an agricultural sciences company. Uh, they actually do provide growers with, uh, you know, their their portfolio of kind of chemicals is uh, to protect crops. So mm. that, that's what they do. Interesting and, business. It is, and I, I will say I, I do have some concerns about that business at the current time, as you consider some issues with the supply chain with food. Yeah, Uh, you could have some issues with the product getting somewhere. So farmers might be saying, I don't need to grow as much crops because I can't even get them anywhere. And then also, I I am a little bit concerned. I'm going to throw it out there. We talk about China. I'm a little bit concerned with our relationship with China at the current time that, you know, we had that big agricultural deal to help out farmers. I still have high hopes that it that it right. continues, but I think our, our relationship with China is on the rocks.
1: And what's drawn Bob was where China said they're gonna buy I forget how many billions of dollars were of agricultural products. Mm-hmm. If they say, Well, US you're giving us a hard time about the technology, we're not gonna we're not gonna fulfill our deal on the agricultural. Could could hurt it. Yeah.
0: So yeah, that is something I'd watch out for. I'm talking about the numbers here, current price for FMC Corp, $98.41. 52-week high, $108.77. And here's another one, clawed back from that 52-week low of $56.77. That might have been a great value back then. Yeah. But uh, if you look forward to December 2021, as the estimated earnings per share on a gap basis, $7.19. Give us a target sell price, $116.48. So it's still slightly undervalued based off our, our multiple that we look at here. But uh, it's not an extremely great value, in my
1: opinion. Yeah. Especially yeah.
0: paired with high debt and the concerns I mentioned.
1: Yeah. It's, you know, it is kind of funny, Chase, because uh, you know there are other good buys out there. But we have seen over the last couple of months. I mean, we have made some great buys on things. But now our buy sheet's not as big as it used to be. You've got to look a little bit harder now to find good buys. Not everything's a great buy. Uh, they're they're out there, but you got to dig deep for them. So, righty, Phone numbers one eight three three. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I know. I, I, usually, <laughs> usually, I don't say the one in front of it, but say eight three three two eight eight zero nine seven three. Again, that's eight three three two eight eight zero nine seven three. Let's go out to San Diego and speak with Lee. Lee, you're in the smart vessel, Brent Chase. How can we help you?
0: Hey, good morning, gentlemen. How you doing?
1: Very good. How you doing?
0: Awesome. Yeah. Uh, A friend of mine kind of brought this to my attention last night. Uh, American Airlines um, seems like they're on a big fire sale right now. I know there's a lot of quantitative easing coming to the airlines. And I just wanted to hear your take if you think it's a good buy or, you know, could these guys possibly go bankrupt? ultimately? I don't know. It just seems like an interesting uh, value in the market.
1: And I want to say maybe you saw this as well, Chase. I was reading somewhere that I'm pretty sure I saw that American Airlines CEO says, we're not going to go bankrupt. Did you read that? I, I have was in the journal. Okay, I, I saw that. That worried me because I've seen it in the past when they say that. That means they're concerned about it, and they have to say they're not going to file bankruptcy. And I've seen it happen where they say that, and then two months later they file bankruptcy. But let's look at the numbers, see what they look like. company, again, is American Airlines Group Incorporated, symbol is AAL. Uh, no P.E. ratio, no surprise there. Industry does have one at 8.9. We do see price of sales is good, 0.1 versus 0.36. No price to tangible book value. Industry is at 4.47. And price of cash flow, 2.7, below the industry at 3. They don't pay a dividend any longer. Uh, their sales were down year over year for the last 12 months, 2.3%. Industry was down 0.7. Earnings per share, were down 159%. Industry down 34. Current ratio, not very good here at all. It's 0.37 versus 0.55. Uh, no debt to equity. Uh, industry is at 130, and I think because they have no equity, uh, their their uh, liabilities far exceed their assets. Uh, we do see that return on equity well, nothing there, so they won't have return on equity. Net profit margin is a loss of 1.7 versus 4. Receivable turnover is 30 versus 23, and inventory turnover 10. Not as good as the industry at 15. What do you got for the earnings, Chase, if there are earnings? <laughs> yeah, well,
0: looking <laughs> at the current price here for American Airlines $10.50, uh, as you said, it is technically a fire sale in terms of the price decline, but I don't know if it's a fire sale in terms of the value you get with this business Uh, because the 52-week high was $34.99. 52-week low however $8.25. Now, if I look out to December 2021, I see estimated earnings per share on a gap basis. Positive here, it is 30 cents is what it's estimated to be. Unfortunately, that would give us a target sell price of $4.86. Also, I will point out that a company could have expected earnings but still file bankruptcy because they can't meet their debt obligations when the principal comes due which has been a big concern for us with American for years now. Yeah. Uh, you know The airlines went through a very tough time with bankruptcies in the early 2000s. It looks like American did not learn its lesson, and I think this would be the first one that would actually file bankruptcy.
1: Yeah, out of all the airlines, uh, Lee, I think this is the riskiest one of them all. I looked at their balance sheet. They do have debt of $25 billion. Their equity is a $2.6 billion. It's possible they pull this out. Um, and also, too, one thing we looked at the airlines is that we like airlines that fly more passengers for leisure, going to see family. There, I think American is more of a business type flyer, uh, and again, you can check those facts. But I, that worries me because I think it's going to be longer for business to come back because business kind of realized, like, yeah, this Zoom thing's not working out too bad. Why should we spend thousand dollars sending someone back to New York? Um, and I do believe American gets a lot of their, their business from business flyers, which is going to come back later than the leisure passenger. Yeah. So I, 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 I do like uh, – I think the airlines, a lot of them are on sale, but you got to be so careful of getting the wrong one because even though the CEO said they're not going to file bankruptcy – he really doesn't have to say so because the creditors can go back saying, sorry, American Airlines, you owe us $25 billion. We don't think you're pay it. We want our money now. We're going to force into bankruptcy. So many times it's not the CEO's option. So I, I, I just would never recommend American Airlines. All right?
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate your help.
1: Take Alrighty, care. Thanks, thanks for calling.
0: You know, I'm glad somebody called about an airline because I, I did want to kind of touch on Boeing real quick. I thought it was so interesting. Uh, you know, the Boeing – CEO came out and said they're going to restart production of the 737 Max and the stock went up on that news. I was sitting there thinking, who in the world is going to buy the 737 Max right now? <laughs> Number one, it still hasn't even been approved yet to, to return yep. to flying. Number two, think about how much of the planes are grounded right now. And you talk about all that excess inventory of planes on the ground. I don't think you're going to see those come back online in big numbers in 2020. I think you'll start to see them come back online in 2021. But I don't think people are going to be placing new orders for planes until perhaps 2022.
1: And, and even to remember before all this happened, and I remember people calling in about Boeing. It's like at 380, 400. Actually, like above 400, went down to 370. Oh, it's a great buy. It's like, no, we've we never liked. I like Boeing back many years ago. Uh, don't like it now. But through that, I think a lot of uh, airline companies made deals or contracts with Airbus. So they may say, well, well, Boeing, we don't need you now because we have this deal with Airbus. So I, I, I just – and I want Boeing to succeed. It's an American yeah. company. It's a big American company. But gosh, it, it, it's just – as an investment that worries me. I, I don't – And 147, I think, is where it is. 150, is that what it is? Yeah,
0: I believe so. And like I said, I just don't see these airlines placing big orders for planes because the other thing you have to think about is they might have to furlough some workers once their aid ends because they still don't have the type of cash. And I don't want to bring politics into it, but I will. Sometimes I I thought it was funny the Democrats were asking, "Why are you having to reduce hours for workers?" I don't know, maybe because they had to cut flights because nobody's flying. <laughs> <Right>. no. <laughs> a pretty simple answer, but you, you know the thing is, I don't. They'd have to bring back employees first, then they could start to have new planes that they would order. I think that is, as I said, I think that's a, a longer term plan. And I just, I don't see those orders coming back online for Boeing anytime soon.
1: And, and I don't think they're going to be back to their flying level that they were before at least until 2021, mid-2021. Yeah, I, um, I
0: still think 2022 is when yeah, we'll get back to where we were last year. Yeah,
1: I'm trying to be optimistic and saying, yeah. okay, the, the best-case scenario. But even then, well, okay, that's that's a year from now. So I, I, I'm i with you. I don't get Boeing. Um, I do want to see what's best for them. I want to see them do well. I'm a great American company. But, gosh, they're just in a terrible uh, situation. All right, so uh, phone numbers is 833-288-0973. Again, that's eight three three, two eight eight zero nine seven three. And Chase, we gotta get this figured out here. I, I when I put in Budweiser, I'm still getting last financial information September two thousand eight. What do you? Uh, what what is going on here with Budweiser? I now? I don't know.
0: And it, it, I apologize, John, because I know yeah. you've called in I think three four times about Budweiser, and it's calling next week. We'll get it ironed out. Um, and we still haven't. It. And it's so funny because we look through how many different stocks. Yeah. And this is the only one
1: we've had a consistent problem with, you know. And I, and I think maybe what we've not done is we need to on Monday make a note to contact Thomson Reuters and say, hey, what is going on with Budweiser because we it's just not being updated. And I know that they are now. Where are they based? In um, they're in Europe. Um, oh, who,
0: yeah, because I know a uh, InBev. Inbev bought them.
1: You know, and maybe it's because uh, maybe uh, the Netherlands. Is not... Netherlands, yes, Netherlands. Maybe perhaps the symbol is not BUD anymore. I don't know.
0: It, uh, it's BUD when I look at uh, is CBC. It? Yeah. Um,
1: okay. So so it is Thomson Reuters. Uh, you know, John. Uh, didn't bring you on air here, but it, it just I saw you pop up there, and I wanted to look at it. And sure enough, I, I pulled it up, and it's 2008. I, we we can't help you on that. You you got to come up with a different uh, <laughs> different. Well, we looked at it.
0: constellation. I know for you, and uh, yeah. we will. I, I think I, I have to remember. <laughs> we'll look at it on Monday and contact Reuters and say what the heck is going on here. Yeah. But,
1: Are you going to write a note? Now, your memory is much better than mine because you're younger. So are you going to remember <laughs> that?
0: Uh, I will try. <laughs>
1: okay. Wait, I'm going to make a big note here right <laughs> here. So one, one benefit about being in the office, we've got all our papers and pens right here. So I'm going to write a note, John. You can hear me writing here, call Thompson Reuters for Budweiser. All righty. So we will get that done on Monday. So hopefully next week, and 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 uh, we'll get the information there. So all right, uh, you know, Chase, I'm glad because uh, actually all phone lines are open. We got about ten minutes left. 833-288-0973. That's eight three three two eight eight zero nine seven three. I'm I'm glad we have this break because we want to talk about it last week. I know I can see you're busy over there looking at something. Uh, are you looking trying to find Budweiser? What are you trying to find? Yeah, I'm yeah. trying to find Budweiser. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but we, we didn't get to this last week. And I want to talk about it because it's a lot on people's mind. It's a national debt. And you often hear about the troubling national debt is oh, my gosh, it's what is it now? 20, $24 trillion. But looking back on history, we actually aren't in a terrible situation comparatively. If you look back to 1946, the debt stood at $269 billion. But what's important is is the debt to GDP was 119%. Now, while, while the debt number sounds small, it's important to remember that the GDP was just $228 billion. Now, for reference, GDP at the end of 2019 was over $21 trillion. Oftentimes, people are worried that taxes will have to dr- drastically increase and government spending will have to actually decrease so we can run a budget surplus to repay the debt. Well, there is actually a less talked about way of doing that overwhelming by growing the GDP.
0: Yeah, and you know we, we look back to uh, you know World War II as an example, and we had just huge debt rates at that point. And what actually happened was we were able to stimulate the economy and grow and have that debt to GDP decline. And the funny thing is, if you look at the deficits during that time frame, we weren't running huge surpluses for that, that time frame. I, gosh, I, I don't have the numbers off the top of my head, but I think we had debt to GDP of about 126%, and I think it was able to be reduced to, I want to say, 30 to 40% uh, was where we were able to bring it down to. Over It was like a 20-year period, I want to say. And it was, again, not by running surpluses of you know $5 billion in our, our budget, but rather the GDP just grew immensely during that time frame. And I actually have the numbers in my desk.
1: Well, you could run to get them, but it's, we only got about nine minutes. I left, know. So we'll <laughs> have you do that. But yeah. I know. I,
0: shoot, yeah. I should have had it with me because yeah, I knew yeah. we were.
1: It, but it's going to important to understand that. the concept. And, and, and uh, again, w- you have to kind of sometimes touch on the politics. And I'm, I apologize if somebody doesn't like President Trump. But I mean, one thing he was trying to do is grow the GDP. If you borrow money, and that's how business works you borrow money to grow the, the income. You know, a lot of businesses do that. So that's what he's trying to do is borrow money to grow the GDP because if you grow the GDP enough, well, the debt is not a problem. also to inflation. We didn't talk about that, but inflation can also reduce your debt because it's not as worth as much. So these are important things you can do. But unfortunately, the coronavirus came up and and, and threw everything back probably a couple years. I think we'll get back on track. But you look at growing the economy. It's the same thing as that if you have – Yourself, one hundred thousand dollars of of a debt, and uh, you're earning fifty thousand dollars a year. Well, over the next ten years, if you can grow your income, well, eventually that one hundred thousand dollars debt is not that relevant anymore because you've exceeded what you can pay to that, and that debt becomes worth less as inflation comes along.
0: Yeah, and it's so important you point that out because you know it's. It, I don't want to say it's exactly like a business, you know, but it's still the ratios still yeah. do apply. So, you know, when we look at it, you look at the debt to income. Uh, that does kind of give you an idea of the solvency of the how likely it is that we can pay it off. Also, you look at the debt to equity is what we like to look at. We have so many assets in the United yeah. States. We talked about that kind of earlier in the show. What we have, you have to compare that to the debt. And it's like, oh, actually, that $26 trillion, I hate to say, it, <laughs> isn't that bad compared to the trillions and trillions of dollars in assets I, I that we have. I think it's
1: about $200 trillion in assets. When, it, when you take into account all the rights for the oil that they have across the country, you have all the land. Think about all the land that we have. Uh, gold. Um, I mean, it, it comes up to about $200 trillion in assets. And, and when I met President Trump, Few months ago, actually maybe six months ago, I, I wanted to ask that question, but I didn't get a chance to do it, unfortunately. But it, it's just something because he's talked about that. He knows that's that's out there. People know those assets are out there, and you could easily, you know, and, and some of those buildings that that we own, they're sitting there empty, and they're paying money to, to maintain those buildings. Sell them, get rid of them.
0: Yeah. Well, <coughs> and the other thing you look at too is it, you don't want you know 200 trillion dollars worth of debt. I, I I'm not advocating for that. We will no. probably have $200 trillion worth of debt you know, in 300 years not just due to yeah, inflation. Right, right. <laughs> but the the thing that, that you look at is if you got rid of the debt market, a lot of investors rely on the safety of the U.S. Mm-hmm. Treasury. So if you're running, let's say, a surplus for the next 10 years, we, we get rid of the, the deficits. That means if you get rid of the deficits, you're not needing to issue new notes. Yep. That is just going to actually hurt investors as well. So maintaining that balance again of having some debt but not overwhelming debt is is a very important balance debt is not a bad thing as long as it's under control
1: and it's so funny bringing that up chase because back about eh, about 20 years ago during the tech boom there was a concern that wait a minute we're paying down an awful lot of debt here we need debt because the, the life insurance companies need that guaranteed amount they need to know what they're going to get in 10 20 30 years so we need that money because you have to invest many times in the guaranteed product and they said we were worried at the time oh my gosh if we pay everything off there's gonna be a problem always gonna be a problem so uh we, we got just a few minutes left here uh i did want to talk about, last week we didn't talk about the record savings rate this kind of ties in uh for april the savings rate came in thirty three percent last last week. We talked about how nice of what what was going up from like fifteen years ago was like four percent. Then it went up to eight percent. Then it was up to thirteen percent. Well, for April thirty three percent. And what this is actually doing is it's growing the money supply, the M one, the M two, which is money that can be used for capital and and uh you know to invest and so forth. But on top of that. It's not all going to stay there, and that's the big factor.
0: Yeah, and it's so important. I mean, I I always talk about I love hearing from the big bank CEOs, Mm -hmm. and you know the reason for that is they have. I think the best insight of to where money is going they can see the inflows the outflows things of that nature and you know Brian Moynihan and and I can't pronounce his name Moynihan I think Moynihan, is how you I think, say yeah, it. said yeah. uh, is the Bank of America CEO he talked about when he looks at the checking accounts and this is checking accounts that are under 5000 which you know I think a lot of people don't have more than 5000 in their right. checking account if so you should probably put it in a savings account or an investment Give account cuz that's a lot 8585464306 but looking at checking accounts under $5000 They had 30 to 40% more money in them compared to 12 weeks ago. So that kind of pairs with that high savings rate. Now, the big benefit is as the economy comes back online, as you said, these people have money to spend. There's just nowhere to spend it right now is the big issue. But now as places start to reopen and people start to feel more comfortable, we'll start to have that spending power once again. And he also did mention that it is appearing to come back online. I mean, transactions were down 30% in the month of April. But they were down just 5 to 10% in the month of May. So things slowly are starting to come back. And, again, the big thing is people have money. It's not like the recession where people didn't have money. Right. People have money. There's a lot of money out there right now.
1: And I think, and I said this before, the money supply I think is going to hit 25 25- trillion dollars of just liquid money out there just kind of bubbling waiting to happen and i think because uh, that was april up 33 percent i think in may you will see a decline uh from 33 may- percent maybe down to maybe back down to the 13 15 range still still there still a lot of growth but i th- I think we'll see it to hit 25 trillion dollars and just a lot of money that can be used again for spending going on vacation uh buying things uh investing Uh, I I think we're going to have a great second half of this year, and that's why it's so important to look for good value companies now that can benefit uh, from what's going forward here.
0: And it's so important you talk about a great second half, and I kind of keep reiterating this point, but it's so important. A great second half doesn't mean we're going to have a full V-shaped recovery where we'll get back to where we were. In December of last year. I I, I don't see that happening um, just because it, it's going to be hard because there are still going to be people that are, I'm going to wait till a vaccine comes out to go out and about, especially the the older population that's like, ah, you know, it's not worth the risk. I'll just stay at home. You know, I am at, in the out-risk population. Those are the people generally that are going to stay home. I know we've talked to some clients. <laughs> I'm going out. I, I don't care. Nah, I'm 85. <laughs> I don't care. I'm going out. <laughs> so you, you have people on both sides, of course, but the, the the big thing is 100% of people are not going to be feeling as up optimistic as they were i think until we get that vaccine
1: and we have talked about the wave uh, you and i are part of that wave whether yes we want to go out and there's a lot of people like that but there's other people eh, i'm not quite ready yet you're going to have this wave that ke- keeps kind of growing and growing because people kind of wait to see well what are people doing yeah they're not getting sick and it didn't increase okay i'm going to go out you'll have I-, I think over the next probably three four months uh a gradual increase as more and more people feel more comfortable going out. And also, too, they open things. I mean, the malls are still not open yet. Uh, last night at 7.30, my fiance comes out and she's all dressed like, yeah, let's go out to dinner. I go, restaurants close at 8 <laughs> o'clock. Yeah, yeah. So so we couldn't. Had they been open, we would have went. And we're not the only couple that would do that. Other couples want to go to dinner at 8, 9 o'clock at night. So we need to have more of a increase from the, the governors and so forth. They need to kind of get a little bit quicker opening things to to get us on that path. All Well, there's the closing bell. Thank you for listening to the Smart Investing Show. It is for information purpose only and should not be used as investment advice. If you'd like to discuss in more detail your investment needs or have other investment questions, feel free to call myself Brent Wilsey or Chase Wilsey at 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. Or visit our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. And for more daily educational information along with investment tips, Go to our Facebook group page, Smart Investing with Brent and Chase Wilsey. Today's show is sponsored in part by Thomson Reuters. Closing song, Frank Sinatra's My Way, is performed by local entertainer Roman Palacios. Have a great day. We'll talk more next week right here on the Smart Investing Show. And may I say, not in a shot. KWFN-FM and KWFN-HD1
0: San Diego, a radio.com sports station. Hey, this is Kirby Yates from San Diego Padres.